I thank God for all who have led us in worship today, those who have led us through prayer and scripture and beautiful song. We are continuing a sermon series called Head Scratchers. We're looking at Jesus' surprising stories, the parables he told as a critical part of his teaching and preaching ministry. Today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 25 verses 1 through 13 and the title of my sermon is Keep the Light Burning. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look! Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word. Help them to hear your word. And Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Life is an exercise in waiting. We wait for the water to boil. We wait for the light to turn green. We wait at the restaurant. We wait at the airport. We wait for our tea time. And we wait for the cable guy. We wait for the movie to come out. We wait for a package in the mail, a phone call, or a text message when we see dot, dot, dot. We wait in the school pickup line. We wait for graduations, college admissions, and weddings. We wait for interviews. We wait for a new job. We wait for retirement. We wait for holidays. We wait for vacation. We wait on vacation. According to Josh Cobert, a recent study found that the average wait time for a Disney World attraction is 36 minutes while the average ride is just eight minutes long. So for each ride you want to visit, prepare to spend 82% of your time in line. I read about the wait to see Queen of England while she lies in state at Westminster Hall. According to journalist Isabella Kwai, on Wednesday night and into Thursday morning, 
The line to see the queen was three miles long and ever moving with projected wait times up to 30 hours. It was an all-night and all-day marathon. Some people came prepared with chairs, jackets, and snacks. Organizers were prepared, too, making restrooms, first aid, and drinking water available. They had plans for a line up to 10 miles long. Which brings us to the question of what to do while waiting. Maybe we read a book while we wait at the doctor's office. Maybe we delete some photos from our phone while we wait at the DMV. I have curated a few suggestions from a variety of websites on what to do while waiting. Ideas include listening to a podcast, cleaning out your inbox, drafting a grocery list, writing a letter, filing your nails, contacting an old friend, planning a date night, writing down your family history, walking around, checking your child's grades, meditating, flossing, daydreaming, stretching, napping, sewing, doodling, singing, and playing games. One site even suggested studying other people's noses. That's when you know you're bored. The Christian life also involves waiting, according to Matthew 25. And it is no inactive wait. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps to go and wait for the groom. Five were foolish and five were wise. The distinction evokes Matthew 7, where Jesus talks about foolish builders and wise builders. He says everyone who hears his words and acts on them is like a wise builder who built his house on the rock. And everyone who hears his words and does not act on them is like a foolish builder who built his house on the sand. When the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew, the house built on rock stood strong, but the house built on sand crumbled. All the builders heard the words of Christ, but only the wise builders acted on them. Likewise, all ten bridesmaids we're expecting the groom's arrival, which represents the second coming of Christ. All ten bridesmaids went to wait for him. All ten bridesmaids had lamps, but only five bridesmaids took extra oil. Maybe the foolish ones thought it wouldn't be a very long wait, but the wise ones took extra oil in case of a delay. They came prepared for a longer wait time. In ancient wedding customs, the bridesmaids would wait for the groom to come, often in the dark of night. They would use their lights 
to greet him upon his arrival, and their lamps would illuminate the procession as they showed him the way to the wedding celebration. The groom in this story did not arrive until midnight, and when the call went out to come and meet him, all the bridesmaids awoke and trimmed their lamps. By that time, though, only five bridesmaids still had enough oil to keep their lamps burning. When the other five asked to borrow some oil, the five wise bridesmaids refused to share. Now this may seem cruel or at least inconsiderate, but if their oil had been divided among ten lamps, there would not have been enough light to welcome the groom. Better for the groom to have five lamps burning brightly than ten lamps without much glow. Turns out, as Tom Mitchell said in his sermon this morning, you can't borrow other people's preparedness. So the foolish bridesmaids went to buy some oil, and while they were gone, the groom came. By the time they made it back, the door to the celebration was shut. Lord, Lord, open to us, they pleaded. He replied, I do not know you. Sounds eerily like Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Despite the allegorical elements of the parable and the many symbolic possibilities of its various details, the basics are rather clear. The wise bridesmaids had their lamps burning when the groom arrived. The foolish bridesmaids did not. The interpretative key is found back in Matthew 5 where Jesus says, No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under the bushel basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The way to keep the light burning while we wait for Christ's coming is to do good works that give glory to God. While we wait for Christ's arrival, we stay busy working for the kingdom, for when he finally comes to vanquish the darkness of this world, we want him to find our light ablaze. We want him to find our lamp a glow. We want him to find our faith shining brightly with good works to welcome him. We don't know the estimated wait time for Christ's return, for no one knows the day or the hour. But we do know we are called to work while we wait. It reminds me of the Old Testament character Jacob, who loved a girl named Rachel. According to Genesis 29, Jacob struck a deal with Rachel's father, Laban. Jacob would work for Laban for seven years 
And then Jacob and Rachel would marry. Jacob indeed worked for seven years while waiting for Rachel. And despite some hoodwinking on Laban's part, Jacob eventually married her. His waiting was occupied with working, and his working was characterized by waiting. The way Jacob waited for his bride is the way the church waits for the groom. We work while we wait and keep our lamps burning brightly. It's not that good works save us. It's that we are not saved without them. Our profession of faith, Lord, Lord, must be paired with our practice of faith, good works that glorify God. We Protestants strongly believe that we are saved by God's grace, yes. But sometimes we can be so dogmatic about salvation by grace that we downplay the importance of good works. The wise builders in Matthew 7 are the ones who acted on Jesus' teaching. Wise bridesmaids in Matthew 25 are the ones who kept their lamps burning. The foolish builders who did not act on Jesus' teachings ended up with a fallen house. And the foolish bridesmaids who did not shine with good works were shut out of the wedding celebration in the end. The Apostle Paul, who gave us the doctrine of salvation by grace, would agree that we work while we wait. Paul frames his letter to the Romans with the phrase, the obedience of faith. It shows up in Romans 1.5 and again in Romans 16.26, the obedience of faith. It indicates that faith is obedience and obedience is faith. Even the 16th century Protestant reformer, Martin Luther, who championed salvation by grace, nonetheless wrote in his preface to Romans, Oh, it is a living, busy, active, mighty thing, this faith. It is impossible for it not to be doing good works incessantly. Whoever does not do such works, however, is an unbeliever. Luther must have read our parable. All ten bridesmaids are professing Christians. All ten have a lamp. All ten are waiting for Christ's coming. But only five are still shining their light when he finally arrives. The delay of Christ's glorious coming must not lead us to despair, but to defy the darkness with light. The tarrying of the church's groom must not lead us to doubt his faithfulness, but to demonstrate our faith. We must keep our lamps burning despite the darkness. We must keep our light blazing despite the shadows. We must keep our faith actively shining until our wait for the coming Christ is over. We work while we wait, and we wait while we work. In his book entitled Accidental Preacher, Will Williman tells about a church near Birmingham that invited him to attend the groundbreaking ceremony for their new fellowship hall. The congregation had been saving money for some years to fund its construction, and they were very excited about this. But the pastor called Williman the week before the event to tell him they had changed their plans. It so happened that a couple in the church 
who specialized in caring for special needs children, had expanded their family by four, receiving children for whom no homes could be found. When the church found out the couple was adopting four new children, they prayed about it and they decided to give their entire building fund to that couple so they could buy a bigger house for their now expanded family. Lamps burning all over the place down there, welcoming the stranger and housing the homeless. That's exactly the type of work Christ calls us to do while we wait for him. He says later in Matthew 25, I was a stranger and you invited me in. Back in January, a major winter storm caused a terrible situation on I-95. A truck was jackknifed and countless cars had accidents in the snow and the ice. The result was hundreds of motorists stranded on the interstate for about 36 hours. They slept in their freezing cars overnight, many without food or water. John Noe and Casey Hollahan had been stranded for about 16 hours when they noticed a baking company's truck up ahead of them. So they called the Schmidt Baking Company in Baltimore to ask if there was any food on that truck. A few minutes later, they got a call back from one of the owners of the company, Chuck Patarakis. He called them back and told them to go over to the truck. He then instructed the truck driver to offer a package of rolls and a loaf of bread to anyone on the interstate who wanted them. Soon, Casey and John, along with the truck driver, Ron Hill, were going door to door offering free food to each carload amid the cold and the ice. While they were waiting on the interstate, they were working and people were so grateful. The bakery is a, a faith-based family business founded by Greek Orthodox Christians. And they've actually donated about three million loaves of bread to persons in need since the pandemic began back in 2020. That's a shimmering light amid the darkness. Giving food to the hungry is exactly the kind of work Christ calls us to do while we wait for him. He says later in Matthew 25, I was hungry and you gave me food. As a black woman in Mississippi in the 1940s, 50s, and 60s, the Christian leader Fannie Lou Hamer faced cruel discrimination and vile injustice. She was waiting for Christ to come and make things right, and she worked while she waited. Despite being threatened, insulted, and physically tormented for her civil rights involvement, despite suffering abuse, beatings, and being shot at, despite the impoverished conditions her own family inhabited, one of her favorite songs to sing was This Little Light of Mine. As a matter of fact, she would worship with her church and lead the singing with her stentorian voice and often would lead them in singing, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And she did let her light shine. According to her biographer, Kate Clifford Larson, Hamer worked tirelessly for human dignity, equality, and fair and just treatment for women, children, African Americans, and poor white folks. 
She let people stay in her home when they needed a place. And she distributed food and clothing to some of the poorest residents of the Mississippi Delta. That's a light blazing radiantly amid the darkness. Clothing the needy and caring for the marginalized. That's exactly the kind of work Christ calls us to do while we wait for him. He says later in Matthew 25, I was naked and you gave me clothing just as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren. You did it to me. If Fannie Lou Hamer can shine her bright light amid the dreadful darkness she encountered, how can we not? If she can wait for Christ's coming by seeking human dignity, feeding the hungry, clothing the needy, supporting the destitute, how can we not? How can we not use our wait time to do something productive? How can we not keep our light burning with works that glorify our amazing God as we wait for our awesome groom. I was thinking about maybe telling one more story to end this sermon, one more story about Christians who keep their lamps trimmed and burning, one more story about everyday believers who brighten up this dark old world, one more story about people who practice preparedness for the groom's great arrival, one more story about church folk who are always ready for Christ with bright lights of good deeds for God's glory. And I thought, hey, how about you and I go and be the story that ends this sermon? Amen.